From the heart of Austin, Texas, hello and welcome to Time Well Spent, brought to you by the Central Texas Regional Mobility Authority. I'm Neil Spells, and throughout the course of this podcast, we will dissect how area residents define quality of life right here in Central Texas. Now, each episode we'll be doing, including this one, will feature a dynamic conversation with subject matter experts on one quality of life factor that's important to all of us. We're going to look back on where we've been, where we are today, and where we're going and what's needed to get us to the future that we all hope for. During this episode, we'll discuss affordability in the region with Matt Mathias, Charlie Betts, and Emily Chenevere. Thanks to each of you for joining me for this episode of Time Well Spent. Thank Thank you. you. Uh, Emily is the Director of Operations for the Austin Board of Realtors, and before that, you were kind of the governmental affairs person, but yep. you're, and you're still doing some of that. Yeah, I cut my teeth on on representing homeowners and realtors across Central Texas. Okay, and that obviously includes all the different uh, uh, issues that are facing uh, Austin today. Yeah, the many issues facing Austin. Then also we got Charlie Betts. Charlie, uh, born and raised in Austin, has a, an amazing career. Uh, at, was a banker, president of a bank. Uh, in a previous and, life. In a previous life, exactly. And Charlie, you also, or uh, at one point, headed up the uh, Texas Association of Realtors. No, I didn't head it up. You didn't. I, I worked there. You worked. I, I worked with the commercial members. There you go. Okay. And then you took over as the head of downtown Austin. Uh, uh, how long were you with that group? About 18 years 18, at the downtown Austin and Alliance. And just, just retired from downtown Austin Alliance about a year ago. That's right. So... Uh, really current with what has happened in downtown Austin over the past uh, couple of decades as such in that sense. So we're going to get into that as well. And Matt Mathias is here, another native Austinite. That's right. Uh, born and raised here. and uh, It took uh, a lot of talent, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> to raise me? Yeah. Takes well, a village, I believe. <laughs> okay, let's don't start this way. Uh, Matt is uh, wearing a commercial hat in this discussion as such. Uh, he... Uh, has uh, been uh, in the uh, commercial real estate area in a variety of ways. First of all, as it relates to apartments, you've built apartments here. Uh, you've uh, you've now got a project where you're building condos uh, in the downtown area as That's such, right. and making those available. And then uh, also as it relates to businesses coming to Austin, creating jobs, Matt has uh, that is an area in which he has worked as well. And he's been very active civically as has Charlie and you. So we're not just talking about these specific issues because there's so many civic issues that really guide and direct where we're going. So let's start, and Charlie, let's kind of, uh, we'd like to say this, is we t- kind of look back at where we came from, where we are today, and where we're going uh, in these podcasts. Uh, Charlie, you and I have talked about this uh, over the years, but uh, after you graduated, was it McCallum High School? That's right. And then went on the University of Texas, got a BBA, graduated yes. there. Uh, at that time, there weren't many jobs in Austin, were there? Your friends, what did they had? Most of my contemporaries uh, went to the two coasts, or at least to Houston and Dallas. Uh, we used, I used to say that uh, the, the options for staying in Austin uh, for a career were pretty limited. You could look at government work. You could possibly sell insurance, real estate, <laughs> or work in your daddy's business, and that just about covered it. <laughs> Vastly different from today. Absolutely. Uh, with, with a job much, much improved prospects for the young people 
finishing school here. They have an opportunity to stay. Well, and those who are, grow up here who don't necessarily go on to school, they still have an opportunity to stay. Uh, uh, get kicked out of the nest a little bit, maybe not want to go ahead to college or, or uh, the Austin Community College, whatever it may be. They still have an opportunity to stay now because the job base has drastically uh, grown. But the problem, and, and this is the topic that we're talking about, is affordability. Back then, Charlie, uh, you didn't have to make a lot of money in order to live in Austin. Uh, if you did have a job, you had a state job, you could find a house to buy. You could find an apartment to rent at reasonable rates, couldn't you? Right. And, of course, affordability, uh, if you're talking about homes, which is the primary factor in cost of living, uh, it's just a supply and demand situation. I picked up the paper this morning, and Austin was named by a realty here. I'm getting into Emily's work. Yeah, no, go work. for it. I bet, I bet you uh, picked up on that. Uh, but a real realtor, real estate organization uh, did, a, did a survey, and Austin was number one. Again, we've been number one uh, as, as uh, uh, a place where people wanted to move. Uh, so that's uh, that's the problem. That's yeah. the problem with affordability. The supply has the demand has exceeded supply people, for a lot of a years. Long now. time. Yeah, people are and that here continues to put pressure yeah. up on uh, Austin. Sometimes I say there's sort of a veneer to Austin that we're on every top ten list from here to Timbuktu, but the reality is you get here and it's not as easy as it used to be that's to live right. here and to to make a living and afford to be here. And get you know, around. in the in the manner in which you're used to or you you desire and. Um, it's an interesting dynamic to be so loved nationally and so so known and then have it be a little bit of a different experience when you're on the ground. And this is a recent phenomenon in the sense of uh, the last 20, uh, two or three decades. Oh, yeah. Uh, we, we didn't have that. We did uh, Back, uh, Matt, I recall your dad, who was uh, Vic, uh, who, Vic Mathias, whose name is on the banks of Lady Bird Lake down there, named in his honor when he was the head of the chamber. He used to speak about quality of life for Austin. That, that was his mantra over mm -hmm. and over, what a great quality of life. But again, the, we didn't have industry, Matt, coming in here to create jobs as such. And your dad and others working with him, and you alongside later, uh, looked at it and said, man, uh, first of all, we talk about homeowners. All these buildings that we have in Austin, they don't pay property taxes. You can't the governmental bill. Yeah, you can't tax Memorial Stadium. You yeah. can't tax the UT Tower. You can't tax the Capitol building. And the poor <laughs> homeowner was having to carry the bulk of that burden. Mm -hmm. And so your dad and others, Matt, started working out to attract industry to come in here. And uh, I think IBM may, yeah. may have been the first. Clean industry. IBM located here in 1966. There were others before uh, before IBM, but in 1966, when IBM made the decision to come to little old Austin, Texas, my dad said his life changed as directing the chamber because he could go to California and make these trips, and he could walk right into the founder's office of Hewlett-Packard because they wanted to know what's going on in Austin that IBM would choose Austin. So that was a game changer for us. Yeah. As, and as you know, MCC was kind of the next step that, that took the high tech. But the nice thing that we have now is such a base in those industries and the technology businesses. You know, we have gaming, we have hardware, we have manufacturing with people like you know, companies like Samsung. And so it's multifaceted, but people do come here because of our image internationally now, which has been 
yeah. bolstered by South by Southwest and the racetrack, you know, Formula One being here. We're, we have a worldwide audience now, but they come here, but they will come because it's not one employer they have an opportunity for. If they want to change jobs, which millennials tend to do, there's a whole gamut of opportunities for them now. You know, uh, one quick little sidebar on IBM. Uh, when they first opened up here in Austin in 1966, you know what their product was? The Selectric Typewriter. Mm. It wasn't the, quote, high-tech uh, dynamo and giant. Well, the high-tech of the day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, could, you could backspace and it would erase. Man, that <laughs> yeah. was magic. That was magic. You talk about high-tech. No, you bet. <laughs> So let's uh, let's tie that back to today. Now, as you've just mentioned, Matt, and and I think it's important in this sense too that we've got uh, we've got an unbelievable dynamic here in Austin now. That not only uh, Austin still has its attractions that it had before. Remember, Austin over the years since its founding doubled in size almost every twenty or so years, and it wasn't because of industry or any, coming in or anything like that. It was just because we had this uh, quality of life that people wanted to enjoy. We had the hills. We had the lakes. Uh, and, and that attracted a lot of people. The University of Texas was so important in that because it churned out bright, intelligent people who could uh, create jobs and to work in this area. Today, it's a, it's a phenomenon in that sense, as you pointed out, Emily. But let's talk about what can happen now? Charlie said, "You know, you could you can make a pretty you know decent living working for the state, and you could buy a house, and you could raise family uh, here uh, back back in the day. Now, what kind of barrier uh, is out there for people who want to come to Austin and and buy a house and enjoy the amenities of downtown and the hills and the lakes?" Sure. Well, I mean, the primary barrier is a lack of inventory overall. Uh, if te the Texas A&M Real Estate Center, the expert in Texas, says that six months' worth of available in inventory at any given time is what's called a balanced market, where sellers and buyers have both a competitive effort towards closing a transaction. And, and inventory means the available homes that are available at the current rate Just of Yeah, sales. just listed homes, properties yeah. across the spectrum in terms of pricing. That they would stay on the market for six months and then be sold. That there would be about six months' worth of inventory means you have six months' worth of, worth of units available to meet the demand at coming that, over that right. period of time. Uh, and what we see right now in the city of Austin is two months' worth of inventory. Two months. And that's across the city. Many parts of the city have less than one month's worth of inventory into the the point twos and point threes of the of a yeah. of a whole percent. Uh, and the region, the MSA, uh, the five county region has a two point six months worth of inventory. Oh, so, so it, Austin has pushed its problems and shared the love with the entire central Texas so you, region. So you you go to Bastrop County, you you mm -hmm. uh, obviously to Williamson County, Hayes, Caldwell, Hayes Travis, County. Williamson. Yeah. Uh, it's about sitting between two and three months worth of inventory, which is about half of what we need if you consider the demand and the and the growing population we experience, have experienced and continue to experience. So where you talk about you know what's happened over the last two and three decades as we have doubled and are nearing tripling our uh, our region's population, we stuck our heads in the sand for a little while and acted like they weren't coming and we didn't build for them. Um, and then we also experienced an economic downturn that, that created challenges to building and, and new housing starts for a period of time. That was a blip in our market compared to what most of the country experienced, but it did impact our, our new housing starts for a period of time. Uh, generally, we just don't have enough housing for the people that are here, both rental and, and ownership opportunity. 
and you're talking about uh, area wide. You're not talking about just downtown. Yeah, no. Such. I mean, that, that's definitely a, a regional issue. Uh, what I can say is that the the regulatory barriers to creating housing in Austin have exacerbated those problems in the region. So okay, now the no, fact that it no is doubt. expensive to build in downtown, that it is expensive to build in Austin proper, and that there are some real challenges associated with what you can build in Austin has certainly created um, pressure outside of Austin, and, and that that bubble to some degree is boiling over. You know, it was reported last month in the New York Times that Austin was in the top four cities in the nation in sprawl since yes. uh, since yeah. the year mm-hmm. 2000, and part of it's regulatory, part of it's demand uh, that's pushed people out, and cost, you know, those regulations have a cost that come with them, and, and that's often not realized by public officials, and, and it you know, those costs do get passed through to the consumer, That's which right. makes the Bass Drops and the Huttos and the in the Hayes County areas more affordable for us. Right. When I look at Williamson County's median home price as of our most recent reports was two hundred and seventy five thousand dollars. In the city of Austin proper it's three hundred and seventy thousand six hundred dollars. Okay, now let's sure. focus affordability on affordability is driving a, a big percentage of the growth to the suburbs. That's right. That is to some degree a problem. Uh, Austin has chosen to some degree to approach the affordability problem, again, caused by demand being much in excess of of supply, Uh, have chosen to issue bonds and to subsidize housing. But that in itself has raised everybody else's taxes uh, to pay for pay for that subsidy. And so that's actually uh, making uh, affordability more difficult within the city. But the, but the surrounding communities, because of the lower prices, the affordability, that's where the affordable homes are being built. So that's where a lot of the growth is, is, is occurring. The problem then arises, the, the second biggest problem in the community, or in my opinion, the, the worst, is transportation congestion. So if most of your growth is occurring in the outer parts of the city, mm-hmm. in the suburban areas, you've got those folks moving into Austin for the predominance of the, of the jobs and the, and the huge uh, amount of jobs in the central city. You've got a real commute problem, and those commuters jam up the city streets. And we have built our street system. We can't build any more streets to speak of within Austin. When people move here, uh, they're not going to be thrilled with the traffic jams and the commute times where they can afford to buy a home and, and the time it takes to get to work. That's, that's one of our real challenges. Yeah. How, you know, just give us a perspective here. How many jobs are in the downtown area? I should I should have that number. I don't have that number off the top of my head, there, but it's approximately a, one third of all the jobs in the entire region. Which is a growth management challenge in terms of not having more opportunities for job nodes throughout the community is also contributing to that that community. Em, Emily, traffic. as as a policy, this city in this region has to start looking at exactly what you're talking about. Which means the but city has to play regionally. The city has to play regionally, <laughs> and we have to within Austin and outside, create density nodes where you stop these commuters from coming from Leander to downtown in their cars. And there's got to be employment centers northwest, north, northeast, and south of town 
so that we can stop these commuters from coming all the way to the core. Right, they we, won't we, need to, but the core is to. going to continue the, to grow. The correct. core, and it should there's going to be more and more traffic it is our on Mopac correct. and I-35 That's and correct. more cut through yeah. in, in your neighborhood. Our core is— It's absolutely going to happen. I mean, our core is our tax base, despite the, yeah. the truth that, that Neil said about state buildings not being on the tax rolls. Our downtown supports every single family home with with the property taxes they pay because we have such a dense downtown. And the, and when you say dense downtown, you're talking about uh, commercial buildings, condominiums, uh, rental buildings, primarily as well commercially as, dense. Correct. Well, now now We're the density now the density of, of apartments and condominiums downtown. When you when you take a 54 or 56 story tower condominium and compare the taxes that that city block. Uh, produces versus a single-family home, and the cost to serve a single-family home, single-family homes do not pay their way. They don't pay for the school system. They don't pay for the fire protection. They don't pay for the EMS. They pay a portion, but they don't pay 100% of their cost. You have to have the commercial component that pays uh, taxes because of their density in value. Um, to offset and really subsidize this, the single-family homes. And it's an ecosystem. You know, rooftops drive uh, decisions by commercial practitioners to engage, you know, the right businesses at the right time. And the you know, having a population base to support the business that's coming in is important also. Uh, but, but in terms of, you know, th- this concept that we need job centers outside of downtown, that takes a cultural shift, right? It takes a commitment to um, valuing managed growth as opposed to pretending like nobody else is coming to Austin. They're coming, folks, and they're going to keep coming, and they've been coming. Uh, but we have to make a very deliberate effort towards managing and planning our growth in a way that meets those needs. Okay, and we, we have who should make that? Who should make those decisions? Well, where's the burden? Yeah, that's fair. That's a fair question. Uh, it's you know, in terms of the city, the municipality itself, it's the city of Austin. Uh, city council members and the mayor have to make a commitment towards managing growth in a way that matches the demand that has already been seated. Even if they, you know, you can't really, that train has left the station. Uh, Austin is known, which is a great thing and an, an incredible thing for our economy. But it, it's something also that train has to be managed. Its speed has to be managed and where it's headed has to be managed. Other as well. municipalities too, like Round Rock? Yeah, I mean, I think we have an obligation to play at a regional level, uh, seeing as we are the center of the region in terms of economic prosperity. And, and population and such, uh, and I think commitments to you know Campo and 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 even the Cog to some degree, the Council of Governments, uh, CT Cog is is important. I think we have to to continue to look to our neighbors to share the 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 challenge of managing our growth broadly. Charlie, right there, uh, we have examples of what. Uh, Matt and Emily are talking about uh, the Mueller development is mm-hmm. uh, there are jobs there, there's uh, retail, and there's residential. It's a nice mix. Uh, and we ought to give so, the So Mueller is, is yeah. kind of, and we do need those nodes. Yeah, we, we do need to give the city council credit for that, I think, in that regard. Absolutely. Because yeah, this the plan, a, that's consistent it's, it's with all the planning. It's community. consistent with Code Next, the current plan. Correct. And Lord knows we've been, we've been planning for that type of growth. Right. For the last yeah. 30, I mean, 40 years. I mean, but, if you, but executing it is that's the key. another. And yeah. it's where the rubber meets the road. It's it's challenging to implement a plan like Mueller, right? It, it's, it, yeah. it rubs up against your neighbors. It creates a change, which can be uncomfortable as a community. But when you see it come to fruition, it can be a great, great thing. And I think we have more of that to go. And when you look at, at the Miller redevelopment, 
you see alternative types of housing. Mm-hmm. They have row houses. They have small houses. They have million-dollar homes. They have apartments. They have condominiums coming Seniors in now. Seniors living, yeah. And, 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 and then it's you look all at, supported by commercial development It's all there too. supported, and the jobs are there. Health care is there. And then you look at another very successful redevelopment of the old IBM campus in North Austin, yeah. the Domain. Now, that's been a 23-year mm-hmm. oh. Overnight success, right? <laughs> it took it took forever. Good you know, for you. It's, it, it's, yeah. But uh, but today it is one of the it, it is building a new downtown for Austin, and it had a lot of encouragement from the city. Uh, but it also offers a variety of housing and right. is spurring redevelopment of housing opportunities around it in the Northwest community. Right, and to Charlie's point too, is a transit oriented development in that the train is is re- resides there. There's good bus. Uh, access there, and we need more of that as well. Right. Neil, I'd like to make the tie between affordability and a a good public transit system. It's not a new idea. Many major American cities uh, have been able to accommodate growth, uh, but one of the key components uh, is a good public transit uh, situation. We've got the growth occurring out in the suburban areas, the commuters are clogging the streets of Austin terribly. Uh, we all know that and experience that. Uh, the only way to really make an impact, we, we cannot build more and more roads to accommodate that. You, you, we can't widen Lamar. We can't uh, widen the Burnett Road. You, you mm-hmm. can't do it. You, the only way to do it is, is, is to provide and put some resources in providing a good public transit system. You're talking about Capital Metro here primarily. That's right. And we're, we're on the verge. You know, transportation uh, solutions are usually 20 or 30 years out. But we've got one coming up in the managed lane, the Mopac managed lane from Palmer to downtown and, and stops in between. The public transit system, Cap Metro, can use that managed lane. It will be uh, uh, the pricing on it will be inverted. The more cra- the more crowded Mopac is, the more it would cost you to get out of that traffic and use that managed lane. But it'll be priced to where you can guarantee if you're if you're on there and if a bus is on there, you can go 45, 50 miles an hour all the way. Well, and buses, the opportunity. Yeah, but buses don't pay uh, on the managed lane. That's they, right. They ride free on that's the managed right. lane, so that uh, uh, the people who want to park their car and get on the bus, all they have to do is pay their bus fare and don't have to pay any tolls. They just to, come on to zip incentivize down. you know yeah. the use and, but, and reinforce the value of transit. But, right. The, the two things I, I would say about mass transit, and I agree with you, Charlie, is we've got to make it effective so that you're not waiting long periods of times, mm-hmm. which means we have to have a little more technology so you know when the bus is coming and when to be there and you're not standing wondering. Uh, and number two, we got to make it cool. We have to make it effective, yep. and we got to make it cool to ride the bus. And in so many cities, uh, mass transit is the cool thing to do. You get in your car, and you're a nerd, right? But, <laughs> but, but, it, but you get on the subway or you get on the bus and— and, you know, I heard Admiral Inman say in your last podcast, when he goes to New York City, he uses the subway. Sure. Well, in Austin, how many people do you know that say, and I get on the bus? And so we've got to have that mental change of, of uh, making well, it an acceptable way to do it. There, there's a financial investment needed, too. You know, th- this community has to commit to a, a, 
a broader and, and, and then implement a broader transit plan so that the, the way you make it cool is you make it consistent, you make it available at the times that I need it, you make it you know doable for me to ride it everywhere I need to go. Uh, and then you pair it with other alternative, with other you know transportation alternatives, so that you've got a, a network of options that work for me day to day. I don't want. I want to. I want to stay with the affordability sure. angle of transportation too. Uh, the stats that I've seen is that uh, people who do not use transit, who do not have convenient transit available to them, spend on an average about 30% of their spendable income on transportation. Wow. Now, if we're going to talk about affordability, mm-hmm. we've got to go there. The people, on the other hand, that have access to and utilize public transit spend on average about 9% of their expendable income on transportation. So if we're talking about doing something about affordability, let's look at building a public transit system. We can't do subsidized housing for everybody that wants to live in Austin that can't afford to. The the affordable housing is being built in the distant suburbs, and we need to give them a commute solution. You haven't mentioned uh, rail. Uh, City of Austin votes— I don't think the mode matters. It can be bus. It can be rail. It can be a combination of those. Uh, just whatever makes sense. In the cities where it works, it's all of them. And that, you know, there's a spectrum of transit solutions that are needed uh, for a community of our size. And we have to make the adequate investment in each of those to ensure that we are buying down that all-in cost of living in Austin. Adequate right inv- now, it's yeah. all expensive. Yeah. <laughs> adequate investment means raising taxes. Yep. In that sense, and Austin's and 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 leveraging the the funding that's available to us at the state and federal level. You yeah. know, if spending that dollar yields me two back, then yeah. that feels like a pretty good investment. I, but you got to remember, I also write a check to the federal government, so if they send in some of that back, it's still yeah. tax. It's still tax. Yeah, a burden. They're going to have to find more no than a one year where, where solution you, you for the it. Department of Transportation too. Yeah. But <laughs> I don't think we can fix the feds right now. <laughs> Let's, uh, let's jump back uh, as we're nearing the end of our time here. Let's jump back. I want to talk about housing a little bit more sure. in this regard. Uh, Emily, in, in your view right now, you mentioned the uh, average cost of a home in Austin versus the average cost of a home outside of Austin in that regard. Uh, how much, uh, what is the level of income that is required to be able to afford a house in Austin? That's a, you know, that's a relative question for the buyer, but generally speaking, the rule of thumb is three times your income is what you can afford, is what you should should be spending in housing. So at a median home price of $370,000 in Austin, you need to yield a six-figure salary to make it work. Let's emphasize that. In order to afford the average home in Austin now, you need to make, your household needs to have $100,000 or more in terms of annual and that, Yeah, I mean, that's a broad-based concept. That's not accurate for right. every individual's uh, situation. But but it, it, it what is alarming is that when you graph, we have a graph that ABOR produces that shows uh, income trends over the last two decades and then housing trends over the last two decades, the price of housing. The gap between them is getting farther and farther apart. So incomes are rising incrementally as housing prices are dramatically rising, which means, you know, those that are available to buy what's there are 
that's a shrinking population. Well, and also we're in the midst now of rising interest rates, mortgage right. interest rates, which will reduce the the pool of people who could afford it. Yeah, and I mean, they are incremental increases. I always caution people to get skittish about these interest rates because they're still at a historical low. Historic. Uh, low. Right. You know, yes. I, don't, I don't know what you bought your first hat, house at, but I bet it was not what it is today. 8%. Yeah. Right. You lent me right. money one time for a house, Charlie. <laughs> as, the, as the token yeah. those millennial were, those in this were difficult group, times, I as I remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, interest rates are rising uh, incrementally. That's not necessarily a bad thing economically. That can be a stabilizing factor, which is appropriate for our, our nation. Okay. Um, but it is something that will, you know, matter to people when they're looking at an already high price in Austin. Any addition or increase in that in that uh, cost is is something that matters. Let's narrow it down a little bit in terms of that. Uh, talk about school districts. Uh, they matter to buyers. <laughs> matter sure. dramatically to buyers. Yes. Uh, and uh, you've mentioned, you know, averages or something. You know, there's. Uh, Median prices are lower and higher. Mm -hmm. Where in the Austin area and then in the metro area will you find the greatest pressure on prices going up and uh, the greatest increases? And uh, I would just hold out the possibility that you take a look at the houses in the Eanes School District, which is rated uh, one of the tops in the state. Mm -hmm. In nation. And nation and the price of homes in those areas yeah. is what? Well, it's interesting. Um, you know that that is uh, ground zero for our luxury market to some degree. And of all of our price class uh, breakdowns, the luxury market is the most balanced in Austin. Hmm. It is the closest to having enough inventory to meet the demand for that price. Because there's not that much demand. There's just not. Yeah, yeah well, you know, there are not no, that many rich who, folks who's who's making a million dollars a year. Not everybody's looking for two yeah, and three million yeah. dollar homes, but there are some and. You know, oh, yeah. it's moving a little faster than it was there for a minute. So I don't know that, you know, Eanes is certainly a popular school district and Lake has Travis. had incredible success Lake and will continue Travis, to drive yeah. interest. Round Rock. There's Round uh, a lot. We district, have lots yeah. of good Round schools. Round Rock is, and AISD is a good school district. But part of what happens with AISD is directly correlates to this uh, growth management prospect also. You know, if we are driving growth in a certain way that either, uh, you know, Attracts families or not, it changes the the patterns of student enrollments in those dist in the district, and it changes the availability of, you know, how many doors should remain open or not. And the sprawl has certainly uh, put pressure on AISD's ability to fund and maintain the district because they are paid per head. You know, as students leave the district, that's a serious that cuts a, cuts their revenue. It's a serious mm -hmm. challenge for them. Yes. Incidentally, I. I I saw in a recent article uh, Austin is is ranked pretty high on the sprawl of the spectrum. We're, we're almost vast majority of our growth in new citizens is coming in sprawl, and that that is very difficult to deal mm -hmm. with. Uh, well, especially in, when you talk about of, your transportation problem. Right, right. Well, and, and, and San Antonio is up tax there as base well. Too. I think Austin and San Antonio are ranked in the top four. In That's the, right. In the, 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 yes. the big cities that, that are growing uh, more dense are the big eastern cities, Washington, D.C., New York, and big west coast cities uh, like San Francisco and Seattle. Uh, but the majority of the cities that we compete with, uh, like Charlotte, Oklahoma City, uh, we continue to grow uh, primarily through sprawl. Mm -hmm. As uh, much as we plan to grow otherwise, we're continuing well, to sprawl. And I, I, I want to wrap this up right quick, but I did, Matt, I do want you to speak to the uh, cost of uh, housing 
as far as apartments or condominiums are concerned. Mm -hmm. What are you seeing happening there and in the future? Well, in in downtown Austin, uh, we have uh, surprisingly high uh, prices for uh, both apartments and condominiums. We we it wasn't always that way. It was not always. Right. And we had very and we had very few That's people. Right. We had very few people downtown yeah. until Mayor Wynn uh, started the impetus to to revitalize downtown and bring uh, residents downtown. But today, the average uh, condominium price in downtown Austin for a new condominium is seven hundred dollars a foot or more. So if you think about that, a little one thousand square foot maybe a two-bedroom uh, condominium will be $700,000. So uh, that's... Essentially double the median price in Austin. Yeah, so so it's... And apartments have rents that are the equivalent of other major cities around the United States or even higher, uh, some pushing the $3 per square foot per month cost. And, and that equates to what, roughly? Well, once again, if you, if you took a 1,000-foot apartment, that's $3,000 a month. So you could buy a wonderful home with a mortgage that it costs to be downtown. Now, the suburban markets, although they have risen uh, in rates, the suburban markets where you can still build a garden-style apartment uh, is a component of affordable housing. And we've got to remember, when we're talking about affordability, not everyone is going to rent a home. And, and Emily, I bet you know the statistic. I don't, but I'm. Uh, last time I heard was years ago, Austin had 45% rental market and 55% ownership. And I bet you that's that's changed over the years. I bet it's flipped almost. Yeah, we're up higher, closer to 52, 54% rental Rent. in, in Austin proper. Yeah. yeah. So the rental market is is really um, an important factor in affordability. And it's just like the it's just like the uh, for sale housing market. The farther you go from the core of the city, the more affordable they become. That's right. Thank you all. Thank you. you. And thank you, our listener for joining me for this episode of Time Well Spent, brought to you by the Central Texas Regional Mobility Authority. For more about quality of life here in Central Texas and to catch our next podcast episode, visit mobilityauthority.com. Until next time, I'm Neil Spells.